Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry, Toyota. Let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Fantasy freaks and geeks, what is going on? James Co. here. You're listening to the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. we got a big-time show in front of us here today. We're going to give you our Sunday night football reactions, talk about some top performers, talk about the biggest disappointments. But, of course, I am joined alongside, as always, by your usual cast of fantasy misfits. We've got the fantasy, magical beard of fantasy, Matt Franchise. What's going on? Hey, James. How are you doing? I'm doing great, pal. I loved your fiery phone on Friday. Was it fire enough for you? Um, you come in and just torch the entire pot. That's what I. That's what I intend to do. Mm. The whiz kid from Wisconsin, Alex Gilhar. What's going on? Oh, you know, just another Monday. All right, here we go. MG, my guy, Marcus Grant, <laughs> who is heavily involved. Yeah, I'm just saying. If uh, we got the Dodger game on here, the playoff <laughs> game, game three between Dodgers and Nationals. So if I randomly shout an expletive oh. in the middle of this podcast. Uh, I'll edit it out. I'll bleep it later. But either, either, it will either be in joy or pain. But uh, you know, just the crowd will know the reason why. <laughs> it's very funny. I, I feel as if MG might say seven words total in this podcast. <laughs> fully engrossed. Two of them might be Corey Seager. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we got fantasy expert. Uh, the creator of Perception. He, he is an expert. I am not an expert. I'm sitting <laughs> on full tilt over here because he doesn't know who to pick up for his Monday night. Oh, it's not even that I can't pick up anything for uh, for this stupid league. Uh, it's, I started Allen Robinson accidentally on a bye, and, and now I, I don't think I can pick players up mid like midweek in this league. Have you ever played fantasy football before? No, apparently <laughs> I haven't. This is the second time. I, this is how, how many I'm in too many damn uh, leagues. I yeah. did this, and I started Carson Palmer on Thursday by accident, even though I had picked up Joe Flacco earlier that week to start him, and I forgot. Somebody I, in one of my leagues started Carson Palmer okay. and was crying about it on Thursday, and he's <laughs> going to win his matchup anyways. Wow. Oh. I, and I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose. Guy. I'm going to lose both because simply like – both by close margins just because of these two mistakes. All right, we start Fantasy the show, sucks. as <laughs> always, with your top headlines. The camera highlights in the world of sports. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Whistles go. Woo! I like turtles. We continue to follow breaking news. We watch the news. We 
All right, let's start in Denver. Gary Kubiak won't coach Sunday uh, when Denver takes on San Diego. He's got a, uh, a migraine issue, was hospitalized after the game on Sunday. It doesn't sound like he's going to make the or I know for they, the team announced that he will not make the turnaround uh, on a short week. Uh, coaching uh, on Thursday against San Diego, does it mean anything? No. Probably uh, not. not. Yeah, I don't think I mean, so. Head coaches do all their work before the teams leave anyways, and unless it's like Andy Reid and we're expecting him to mismanage the clock in the final two minutes or use <laughs> oh, his man. timeouts inappropriately, wow. Wow. then like, there's not as much that's going to happen on game day. Like All of their preparation goes into it ahead of time. I mean, if I don't know if Gary Kubiak calls the plays in Denver. He probably does, but like – it shouldn't be that big of a step off. Not to mention that, simpler offense. Not to mention that no matter what you do, the Chargers are going to hand you that game at the end anyway. Yeah, oh my! So. They're finding creative ways now. <laughs> I can't, wait to, see, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see what they come up with. The Broncos are going to be like, "Yo, coach is out. Let's win one. Let's win this one for him." Have we ever seen Narrative. this kind of yeah. fourth quarter team before? Oh, I've, never Chargers? I've never Man, seen it. I've never. Man, not that I can like think this. of. No. Well, it's amazing. Melvin Gordon's not helping with his. Fumbles? Horrible timed fumbles either. I mean, there's that, but, like, the double-digit leads they're blowing. Yeah. Then, then you've got the, the missed field goal. It's, I mean, it all makes for great theater, but doesn't matter not a, for fantasy. It's, it's not great theater if you're a Chargers fan. I was uh, going to say. <laughs> <laughs> our, our neighbors to the south here in California probably don't think it's that good a theater. Charles Sims was put on IR. I know he was banged up. I didn't realize that they were going to put him on IR. Yeah, the beginning of the week it was like, oh, uh, Tampa Bay still planning on starting Charles Sims. I don't and get it. And then it just has gone downhill since. Uh, that escalated quickly. Yeah. Doug Martin, uh, working with a hamstring injury, plans on coming back, I guess, kind of soon. but They have a bye after this yes. week, right? And week, yeah. week seven should be Doug Martin's triumphant return to fantasy lineups and the football field. Right now, Jack Quiz Rogers is set to be – I don't want to say they're only back, but here's the thing. So, Jacquiz Rogers is going to be the starter for Tampa Bay. Yeah. They've got a backup, uh, a rookie out of Auburn named uh, Peyton, Peyton Barber. Barber. Yep. But here, you know, you know what's so funny? He's so unknown that even the team's own website has him listed as a linebacker. Has him listed as a linebacker. Oh, that's I, I a, saw that. That's bad. Well, on the wow. roster that page, is on, hilarious. The, on the whole roster page, he's a running back, but if you click on his page, it says LB. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> That's rude. That is kind of rude. Uh, so those are your two running backs that will be uh, available. I, I think they have another uh, cat by the name of something Hansborough. Yeah, they just promoted him from the practice, practice squad, squad today. Although Peyton Barber was promoted from the practice squad as well. But True. Uh, so, yes, uh, they are not looking great at the running back position. Jacquiz Rogers is there. If uh, Is he a must-add? Yeah, I don't want to say a must-add. but well, I mean, for, if you had Charles uh, Sims do everything you can to pick up Quiz because there's really no other options unless yeah. you had Fozzie on your bench or something. I'm but, trying, but I can't. Yes, we need <laughs> to say, I mean, you know, if, if you start Allen Robinson when he's on a bye and you need to fill somebody. Ah, uh, shut up. Um, <laughs> we saw Jeremy Hill go down uh, on Sunday. He's got a shoulder injury. He plans to return to practice on Wednesday and is adamant telling reporters that he will be available to play Sunday. Uh, regardless of whether or not he plays, there's got to be some concern here, right? I mean, we, we knew about, you know, his struggles, but we saw Jerem or Gio Bernard get a lot of work, man. Yes, yeah, so Jeremy Hill was actually on the injury report in the middle of last week with a chest issue. Okay. So that popped up, and then they took him off the report, I think, Friday, so he's good to go. Then they started Gio Bernard over right. Hill. He was actually the starter. Gio finished with 15 touches for 96 yards. Hill only had four touches in the game. He got hurt, but they weren't using him, 
it was a negative game script because they were down by like three touchdowns early. Right. Um, so it wasn't really a Hill game to begin with. It was a Bernard script. But going forward, if Hill is banged up, um, they play the Patriots next week, I think the Bengals do. They do. So that's another script for Bernard. So if I'm a Hill owner, I'm a little bit concerned, A, he's injured, B, Bernard's the starter now, and C, in week six they play the Patriots, which is a Bernard game script. So. The Cincinnati backfield – I, I don't know what to do with it. What happened? Like it it's was very inconsistent. it was one I know in the in the preseason franchise when you're doing all your good committee breakdowns. Yeah. Talking about how they've been the most like productive backfield duo well, in the last like two, three years. Well Hugh Jackson left. That's what that happened. hurts. That's Hugh Jackson hurts. left and took it all to Cleveland. Yeah. Well and they don't have no Tyler Eifert, no uh That hurts too. Sanu, no right. Jones. This yeah. isn't a very good offense right now. No. It's not. They don't have a lot of weapons and it's kind of showing. It's one of those situations. I have Gio Bernard in a lot of leagues. Yeah. I have no idea when to play him. He's only had one great game. Yeah, I was going to say, even when you do play him, it's like, all right, I'm going to get seven points. Like He's not a a guy that really helps you win weeks. Like He's a floor play only. Well, part of it is that Jeremy Hill was always the goal line guy. Even if if Gio was having a nice game, you knew he was going to come out when they got the ball inside the five. And he's not really like one of those receiving backs like Danny Woodhead who gets a ton of, like you said, a ton of burn in the red zone as a pass catcher or a guy that even has like 10 catch upside. That rarely happens. All right. How about there in Cleveland? Everyone died at the quarterback position. Oh, God. I don't don't get... What's going on with Cleveland? I don't know. Their quarterback. Their quarterbacks deserve hazard pay. Yeah. I, <laughs> my wife brought up like a great that. point. If you were a you know an out of work quarterback and you could play for Cleveland, would you want to? Because no, like, most somebody, likely you will die. Didn't uh, didn't someone turn down Cleveland last year because he wanted to like, spend time with his family? Or Rex Grossman. Rex, yeah, Rex, Rex Grossman. <laughs> they called him up and he was like, Nah, nah, I'm good. nah. I'll just watch <laughs> from my couch. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Cody Kessler was the latest uh, Cleveland quarterback to go down with injury. He says he should be relatively fine. Plans to start on Sunday. Josh McCown, meanwhile, uh, will resume practicing this week as well. He's got, what, a shoulder, a ribs issue or shoulder issue? or Lots lots of issues. Everything issue? Quite honestly, I I can't even keep track of the Cleveland quarterback injuries. There's so many. There's a lot. I really don't know what to do. Um, Regardless... Uh, the reason I bring this up, not that any of these Cleveland quarterbacks are fantasy relevant, but, I mean, it does have an impact on a guy like Terrell Pryor Sr., no? A uh, little bit. I mean, it's not like he wasn't he wasn't tearing it up or anything. He was getting his few catches and fortunately getting into the end zone recently. Right. Um, but, I mean, yeah, if, if Charlie Whitehurst is in there, that's going to that's gonna hurt. He, yeah. he looked awkward under center. I saw some great screen grabs. Somebody... Uh, tweeted about him behind center. He looked like he was like an old in the old west, like ready for a duel as he was like, waiting for the shotgun <laughs> snap to come to him. He, was, like, oh, he looked uncomfortable, and yeah. he got injured too. So would hope Kessler comes back or McCown. That's that's a good situation. But I mean, if either of those guys start, we just have to pray that they stay together long enough to finish the sixty minutes of the game and keep Pryor and Crowell and maybe Barnage's value afloat. Man, it is insane what's going on there. Uh, what's the latest on Gary Barnage, by the way? Anybody know? He's no Connor Hamlet. <laughs> oh God! He, he did. He did. Cool. Charlie Whitehurst to Connor Hamlet. That is maybe the <laughs> gross. That might be the grossest TV combination <laughs> of the year. Like I don't know that we will top that for less helping anybody. I don't think so. It's that impossible. is pretty bad. Didn't Kessler throw that touchdown to him though? No, 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 it, it was Whitehurst. Whitehurst it was Whitehurst to Hamlet. God. Charlie Whitehurst to Connor Hamlet. We brother. may not find a bigger that helps no one all year. Yeah. 
Barnage uh, did lead the team in targets this week, but his next touchdown this year will be his first. Oh, no. So. All right. Um, so there you go. Um, uh, let's talk about Sunday Night Football very quickly. Oh, by the way, I, I know some of you guys get this on Tuesday. Uh, don't at us because we're not going to talk about Monday because, quite frankly, we're taping Monday. Well, it hasn't happened yet, hasn't so that happened. would be difficult. And I don't even really want to preview it because – it's bad. It's stupid. And it, most, of you, <laughs> most of you will listen to this after the game. Exactly. Like, well, that was so, a stupid prediction. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's dumb. So we're going to talk about Sunday Night Football instead, which was a far more interesting battle, although on the field it uh, did not look great. Uh, it was Green Bay playing at home, taking on the Giants. I was expecting fireworks, and instead I was treated to not fireworks. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, nope. The, the Packers held up somewhat their end of the bargain. Uh, Jordy, Jordy got on the Jordy board got early. Zone. Cobb had a good day. He did. Uh, Devontae Adams caught his third touchdown in four games. Yikes. And uh, I will say I will say for the Packers, they were much closer to holding up their end of the bargain because the Cobb touch, there was a Cobb touchdown that got called back because Devontae Adams wasn't set. And then if you watch that pass on like their last drive to Richard Rodgers in the end zone, absolute dime from Rodgers. Right. It's, Richard Rodgers right in the hands, and he just drops it. It was beautiful. So, like, there, there's two touchdowns that came off the board and only ended up in three Green Bay points because they had an interception on a tip pass after that. But this Giants offense, there is there is something fundamentally wrong with it. I tweeted this last night. You have to kind of wonder if Ben McAdoo being made the head coach has taken away from the offense because – Why is that? I mean, I don't know. I don't know why that would be, but it just makes me wonder because this offense has been so – bad and it's weird because they have a clear strength they have one of the three best wide receiver one of the best wide receiver trios in the NFL with Beckham Shepard and Cruz that's a dynamic trio that's hard to cover that can match up with defenses and threaten them in a lot of different ways but everything else is bad I mean the offensive line can't block they can't really run the ball with any consistency. The play calling is vanilla, and doesn't they? They can't threaten outside, right? Or they can't threaten deep outside right now. And Eli Manning, quite frankly, has been really poor this year so right. far. I, I think that's their biggest problem, of course, at the quarterback position. But overall, I just wonder. I I wonder if this offense is ever going to hit the peak that we thought it might this year. They're only averaging 17.8 points per game right now with all of that talent in the passing offense. It ranks 24th in the league. It doesn't make and they've seen the Saints. I was going to say right. they, they saw the Saints they didn't <laughs> score a, a touchdown, right? Or they, they didn't did score not, a passing score a defensive touchdown. touchdown in that game. Right, yeah. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand what's going so on with it's, this offense. It's certainly worrisome. I mean, Beckham's still the guy to play and I guess if Jennings comes back and kind of takes over the backfield, sure, but like Man, you got to be concerned if you have some of those kind of ancillary. How concerned are you about Odell Beckham Jr. right now? He's got 359 yards through five games. It's okay. It's not great. Uh, he's got one touchdown. I I guess you feel a little better because he got that touchdown last night. Because if he didn't, it would have been full on panic. I think on Monday morning for a lot of hundred percent. Yeah. The I, I guess the silver lining. And I don't even know if he was in. Uh, he was in enough. He was in. He was in enough. He was in <laughs> enough. Good point. Good point. Um, as the catch expert on this podcast, <laughs> true, true, true. If there's an expert um, on the show, it is Alex. Yeah. the The silver lining is that he is still getting a ton of targets. He got tar- He was targeted twelve times on Sunday night. Uh, the bad news is that he only caught five of them for fifty six yards. But so many of them were bad targets, though. They were bad targets. I mean, I think that's that's the concern is that they have been bad targets. The other concern is that. He has not been as great after the catch this year as he has as he was in his first couple of years, and maybe that right. is maybe that's the way teams are defending him now. Just you know, if he's going to catch the ball, keep him in front of you. Don't let him break off a crazy run afterwards. But yeah, I, I mean, 
look, I know we're trying to, to remain patient and believe in, in what this guy can do, but after five weeks, uh, I understand if people are a little bit freaked out about a guy you spent the first-round pick on. Well, I, mean, I, I feel like every week we're waiting. I think it's the offense more than more than anything. Yeah. I mean, they're just they're not scoring points, and he's one of the most prolific touchdown scorers of of his time so far. I mean, historically, right? It, just on a pace standpoint, from early in his career, I mean, he's a he's a great touchdown scorer. We know that, but his offense is not getting into scoring position regularly. Uh, I pulled up his next gen stats route chart from last night, and all of his catches were pretty, except for that touchdown one where he kind of improved and sat down in the zone. Right? They're all in breaking, you know, deep post, shallow slants dig routes and everything like that they're not hitting outside the numbers they're not making big plays like that and I mean that's why you're seeing more of like Beckham's floor which like you said is good not great uh is not a complete disaster but but it is not what you spent I will say this one he could be an excellent buy low candidate next two matchups aren't awesome he's got the Ravens at home and then he goes on the road to the Rams they will like eight by coming out of that game though Eagles, Bengals, Bears all at home, on the road against the Browns, on the road against the Steelers, and what could be a shootout, and then Dallas and Detroit, and then the Eagles again in the fantasy championships. Yeah, but this was supposed to be the week when he went for all of the yards and all of the They've touchdowns. still clearly got a lot of issues. I'm saying is if he, they struggle again the next two weeks, they go into their bye, it could be a chance to try and you know get him at a, at a discount before he has a bunch of good matchups. I mean, I'm not saying he is going to go off in those, but... If there were a time coming out of the bye when the offense could maybe get right, that could be the area. Harmon, can I ask you one last question about OBJ and we'll move on? But sure. um, you look at you look at the route tree, um, and all of his catches, you're right, were in breaking. But I don't remember a single throw to the outside. But, How many routes is he running to the outside? That's what I'm saying. They're just, it's it seems like McAdoo has put more of his stamp on the offense, which is you know West Coast timing in breaking routes, and that's great and all, but this is a big play threat, and yeah. I don't think they have time to let those routes develop right now because they're getting whipped off the edge. I mean, Eric Flowers, before he had a little meltdown in the locker room with a reporter afterwards. His best was, block of the night, by the way. Yeah, that, exactly. Like oh, it. dang. Uh, he was just <laughs> getting whipped off the edge by the Packers. I mean, and Manning consistently having that blindside pressure on him. You don't have time to let those routes develop to the outside. You have to have, have those breaking patterns. I mean, patterns. it wasn't like it was Clay Matthews. He only played like 50% of the snaps. It was like fourth-round rookie Kyrell Fackler or something. Kyrell Fa- Fackrell. Kyle Fackrell, yeah. From uh, uh, Utah right. State. Exactly. Like him, Nick Perry was having a good year, so it's 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 worrisome for that Giants offense if Eli can't stay upright. For what it's worth, Odell is the only wide receiver in the league who's played 100% of his team's offensive snaps per fantasydata.com. All right. Uh, so he's out there. He's out there. He's out there. He's there. He's there. Right. He's, doing something. <laughs> he's around. Points per snap league. <laughs> <laughs> uh, injury update in that game as well. We saw Eddie Lacy with a with an ankle issue. Uh, Randall Cobb late took. Oh my gosh, I that was a just scary hit. big hit. Yeah, apparently rough. he's okay. I know. So uh, apparently both guys are okay, but yeah. didn't want to give an injury update there. But man, did, Randall Cobb shot. Did you hear? Did you read the story Woo! this morning, James? Where Cobb said he rolled over and thought he was dead because there were like 15 people around him. He felt okay, <laughs> but like he got hit and he was like, if you watch the replay, he's like on the ground. He's probably like, damn. That hurt, right? And then he rolls over, and there's like just a horde Swarming. of people, right? So no, no, I'm glad true. he's okay. It looked, it looked bad, it but looked the way like his bad. head whipped back, too, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was oh god, that looked nasty. And I was like, oh, it's such kind of like a meaningless play, I right? Think it was for a first down, but it was like I was the last, to put the game away, seal the game away, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seal the game it wasn't meaningless. How, how do you guys feel about the Packers' offense now? After like, I don't feel great. I don't feel great. 
Homer, uh, how do you feel? I no, I still don't, <laughs> I still don't feel great either. But they're starting to do things that make me think they're getting on track. They're not on track yet. They're like they're wobbling, or like if they're at the train station, they're on that thing that just spins around and sets them on the right track. But they <laughs> haven't gotten onto it yet. They're just still spinning. The reason right. I say that is Weird. because how much time did Aaron Rodgers have all day and all day? And in previous years, when you gave him that much time, he's—I mean—he would slice and dice defenses. Yeah. Right now, he can't he's, find he's, anybody. That's the thing. It's—it's not—he's not getting anybody open downfield because you see him kind of dance around in the pocket. Normally, you would see that, and then he flicks one, and normally there's you know Jordy Nelson running free. Right now, he dances around. Time runs out. He flicks one downfield. And, you know, Jordy's covered, or Randall Cobb has a guy on his back. Or mostly just, he's just throwing it out of bounds. Or he's throwing it away. Yeah, I mean, okay. Rodgers is 30th in uh, net yards, average net yards per attempt. He's, I uh, know, excuse me, he's 20th in net yards per attempt. He is 31st in completion, completion percentage among starting quarterbacks right now. That's really, it's not good. Uh, I will say I felt really good about Randall Cobb after last night. I think he was used in more of a, a way that was, was better suiting for him. That right. was good. It was good to see them get him going. Uh, Jordy really got kind of shut down a little bit by Janoris Jenkins, who's played pretty well this year in 14 pass plays against each other. He only let up two catches for 29 yards to Nelson. And the game plan clearly was to throw as many defensive backs out there as possible and yeah. just allow their front four to create pressure on their own, which didn't work. I think just they're operating with like a 75% to 80% Jordy Nelson right now, and he's not like consistently whipping man-to-man coverage every single play. Uh, and I think that's still – so they're still kind of dealing with a lot of what they had to deal with last year, even though Nelson's out there kind of in name only. But I will say, Devontae Adams, we have all taken shots at him, and, and I kind of led that charge last yeah, year he's playing before better. I got here. He's a usable third, fourth option. Yeah, in this I offense. mean, I put him in the waiver wire column because, like, especially like with if Cobb's getting locked up with a good guy in the slot and Jordy's taking the number one, Adams is able to win, you know, semi regularly against yeah, against, the, the against corners, inferior so. corners. Yeah, it's it's one thing to throw get the guy out there and have him be like, hey, you're gonna have to be our number one outside right. threat while Cobb stays in the slot. It's another thing to be like these two other you know former Pro Bowl receivers are gonna be there and you're gonna be the third. But guy. I agree 100 percent with Cobb, and I think. It's a good sign. What they did early, because that was Dennis, our researcher, he and I were complaining about this going into the Packers' buy, is that they were just misusing Cobb. They weren't using him in space. They weren't setting him up in any ways to help move the chains, which he's excellent at. And then they did a lot of that this week. So I think hopefully if they recommit to the ground game, because Eddie Lacy was looking good before his ankle got banged up. Right. Things could get right. Not not you know comfortable yet with this offense, but the pieces are there. They just got to put the puzzle together. Just right. no more James Starks. Oh, my God. That was awful. Please. Get <laughs> that him. fumble was <laughs> What the hell was that? I don't know. We shouldn't talk about it. I'm going to get mad in IRL, so let's move on. <laughs> let's talk about some top performers, shall we? Shady McCoy, uh, 150 yards yesterday. Didn't get into the end zone, disappointingly. I mean, there was two runs where he, ah, gosh, he was so close. But he just couldn't punch it in, and then they you know, went to Mike Gillisley for some unbeknownst reason. But So there you go. But 150 yards, and I'll tell you, I thought he looked amazing. I thought he looked great he's, on he's, those runs. He's doing awesome this year. I tweeted this out uh, this morning that LaShawn McCoy is pretty much matchup proof this year so far. Week one versus Baltimore, who has the fourth best run D in the league, 13 fantasy points. Week two against the Jets, second best run D in the league, nine fantasy points. That was his floor so far. Uh, week three against Arizona, uh, 23 points. 
pretty week, good. Week four against New England, ninth best Rundy in the league, 16 points. And then pretty yesterday good. against the Rams, 28th Rundy after facing Shady, yeah. 15 fantasy points. So he's been consistent. Even when he's not scoring, he's getting double digits or near. He plays the 49ers next week. Yeah. And they've allowed Give me some of that. four. So, okay, week two, they give up 100 yards to Fozzie Whitaker. Week three, they gave up 106 yards and two touchdowns to Kristen Michael. Right. Week four, they gave up 138 yards and a touchdown to Zeke. And then this past week, they give up 157 yards and two touchdowns to David Johnson. Give me some of that. And they're on the road. The San Francisco defense plays a little better at home, but you yeah. put them, you put them in, in, the, in the Ralph, like, look, Shady's going to go crazy. Shady's going to explode. None of, this, none of this surprises me. I mean, I thought before the season that he was primed. I know everybody was disappointed because last year wasn't great for him, but it just felt like he was primed for a bounce back. He was Did it? Well, because he was, he was, he's in a run-heavy offense. He was the only guy there. Who did you worry about taking snaps from him? Gillis Lee Carlos, or Reggie Carlos Bush? Carlos Williams pre-suspension. Yeah. Right, well, I mean, yeah. but, but after Carlos Williams was let go, then there, was, there was nobody there to really threaten him for touches. And this is still a team that's going to run the ball a ton. That was even when we thought Sammy Watkins was going to be right, there. Now that right. he's not there... Who is there really? In I don't. Offense? I didn't doubt the touches. I doubted the offense, and and the other thing about it too was he looked a little. Mm, I don't want to say washed, but man, he looked like he lost a step last. Well, year. I think he. I think, and this is a silly narrative, but I think I feel like he lost weight or got in better shape or something this year because he's making the type of like yeah. Cuts oh, yeah. that where guys tackle air, like oh, yeah. we used to see when he was coming, you know, just coming into the league. And joystick moves, man. Yeah. yeah, he might just be healthier right now. That could be it. Yeah, too. I, I think mean, he, he was because last year he was lower he was, body injuries too. Last year he certainly performed when he was on the field. Maybe just not in like the spectacular fashion that we yeah, were used exactly. to, but just kind of more of a volume grinder role. But now it definitely seems like he's more of a playmaker, and he hasn't been on the injury report or missed any games yet so far. Yeah. Let's talk about Jordan Howard, 118 on the ground. 45 through the air, had a touchdown as well. 22 fantasy points for Jordan Howard there in Chicago. Uh, what do we make of his performance? Well, if you listen to my fiery phone-in on Friday, <laughs> you would have known to start Jordan Good Howard. Because my RB1 lock of the week. Boom. He played on 95% of the this, this, uh, Bears offensive snaps on Sunday. Yeah. Um, last week he played on 91% of the snaps, so he's clearly the workhorse with Jeremy Langford out. You nailed it, pal. There's uh, nobody else. Even Kadeem Carey was healthy this week, and he'd, uh, he had two touches. So. When Jeremy Langford comes back, oh, he's going to be he's going I'm to not, be the number secondary. Two no, no, I'm not saying that he's going to be the starter. Right. I think Jordan Howard has earned the starting spot. I'm not saying that. Right. I'm just saying, given the coaching staff and given that Langford is there, Kadeem Carey is there. Also, Kadeem Carey was there in name, but I, I don't think he was 100% uh, yeah. really healthy yet. Yeah. When they have those full complimented guys, and it's going to happen. What I mean, what are the I guess you know ROS outlook for for Jordan Howard? I think that you're on. You're at least on a good point here. For one, it does say something not good about the Bears coaching staff that they pr- look like they whiffed on who the best quarterback on the roster was and who the best running back on the roster was. Yeah. But to your point about when when Langford gets back, Howard played ninety five percent of the bear snaps yesterday. I believe he had over 90% uh, the week prior to that, or at least was close. Yeah, so he had over 90% the week before that. That is very rare for any running back, much less a mid-round rookie pick, uh, to see that kind of snap share. So I think you can expect that to come down, and you might not access this kind of ceiling every week. Uh, Tevin Coleman, 31 on the ground. Doesn't sound impressive, but man. <laughs> 132 through the air and a touchdown. He also had 20. He had the exact same point total as Jordan Howard, 22.3 fantasy points. He's got five touchdowns on the season. 
Uh, he's got two 20-plus point games out yeah. of five, and he's been double digits in four of the Falcons' five <laughs> games. We're talking about a guy who's supposed to be a backup running back, and and I, I'll be honest with you, too, he goes into mile high. He's got that sickle cell trait. Everyone's saying, don't play him. It, it might be a decoy. He might not get that many snaps. Whew. Which I think was the correct like I mean, it advice to give. Right. It, yeah. it made sense. The thing that's been great about the Falcons running, remember the start of the year, we are like, I don't know what to do in this backfield. I don't know which. It turns out both. you can play them both. Play them both. And everything's going to be fine. You know, yeah. Freeman is the runner. Coleman is the pass catcher, and both seem to be able to eat in this offense right yep. now. It's like Freeman's the grinder, and Coleman's just the, the Swiss Army knife. I was going to say, he's like, deploy wherever. he's yeah. like that offensive weapon or whatever. Yeah, exactly. No running back has accumulated more yards out of the slot than Tevin Coleman. This is that right? Yep, I mean, 129. That's right. amazing. Yep. Freeman just looks – he looks phenomenal running the football, though, between the tackles. Yeah, yeah he, he looks unstoppable. His, his feet – he's so patient. His feet – like, he's picking up extra yards. He's making guys miss. And then Coleman, just whenever he comes in, he's doing it. Oh, I see Marcus is gesturing at <laughs> I, I, I was like, was, I thought it was at me. I'm like, what? Yeah. Devonta Freeman's look good. Marcus? I know. I was gonna say, what do you disagree with? But no, to your point though, too. Like we were talking about this in, in Slack today. Like, he, Freeman is on pace for way less touches than yeah. he was last year. I believe I don't even remember the number it was, but it was 300 something last year. 294, I think. Yeah, he's, he's not even close to yeah. to 330 that he saw last year. Yeah. Uh, but that's good. Like that, sometimes loss of workload can be a good thing. We saw Freeman break down at the end of last year and start averaging under four yards a carry. Yep. Now it looks like with less touches, he can be more effective. Yep. Uh, it's so it's got to be so weird too, right? Like if you if you are a Devontae Freeman owner, it's it's I don't want to say likely, but I think a lot of Freeman owners probably invested in Coleman too, just in case. Yeah, as like a handcuff. As a handcuff. Start them both. And, and now people have both. And they're playing them both. Right. That's got to look so weird on your roster, yeah. but uh, it, yeah. it's the right move. It's like back – it's it even more – oh, my God, I'm going I'm to throw up just mentioning this, but it's like <laughs> what I always wished that the Panthers were able to accomplish when they had D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart. They were I like, gotcha. we don't know how the hell to use these two together. We'll just give this guy two plays and this guy two plays. None of it will make any sense. They'll both be out of rhythm and the team will suck. Uh, but this, <laughs> this organization has seemed to find out how to actually Fair use enough. two talented running backs together. Fair enough. Terrence West, uh, a Matt Harmon favorite. 11 carries, 95 rush yards. Didn't get into the end zone. Uh, but I only bring him up because Matt Harmon does like – and you look at the yards per carry average, 11 carries, 95 rushing yards. Yeah. That Harmon's was, not alone on the Terrence West not using. No, no, no. I understand. I understand. Not using Terrence West enough cost Mark Tressman his job. Mark Tressman was fired this morning, and one of the main reasons that it looks like it was because anybody watching that game, and I watched it a lot Sunday, anybody watching that game could be like, why aren't they giving the ball to Terrence Westmore? I mean, they were gashing running back or, or Didn't Washington. Didn't only have like one or two carries in the second half? Yeah, they did, they just refused. And that is, that's something that has been a consistent thing with Mark Tressman's offense. He loves throwing the football at the detriment of quality yes. running back and, and, and you could you could just see like they were blowing open holes on that Washington defense that right. had been bleeding yards and, and touchdowns and production to running backs and it was yeah. just very obvious to everybody involved and Flacco even before I wrote about this in the opportunity report today even going into this week Flacco had complained about the 
dink and dunk nature. Just he's like, we're playing fast, we're running, we're throwing a lot, but we're not doing anything with it because we're not going deep, we're not running the ball consistently. Mm. And then, sure enough, they go out, they lose their first game. It seems kind of a rash decision, but like I said, it was apparent to anybody watching this that at one point West had ten carries for over a hundred yards. Right. And I mean, you have a big back, you just ride that wave. You probably could have won that game. Simple football. Right, and it just, yeah, it was so nonsensical that I think it did end up costing um, Tressman his job because of that. So I'm kind of, I mean, I'm, I don't really know what to make of the Baltimore offense now other than I think it'll, since clearly Flacco has had a hand in, in getting another offensive coordinator canned, they love Flacco. And <laughs> I understand, I'm not, I'm not saying that to be like a jerk about it. That's what happens when you have a quarterback that the team's invested in. Yeah. They're going to do what Flacco wants to do. I think that could mean more Pitta. I think that could mean more deep shots to players like Brashad Perryman. But I think that's definitely well, what that means. You know what? If if they do reestablish the ground game, when Flacco used to be at his best, especially throwing the deep ball, was when they had a good ground game with Ray Rice. Yeah. And if they actually recommit to that, set up the play action, that's going to spring Perriman and Wallace over the top. So yep. I think like you never want to see an offensive coordinator lose his job, but this could be a good sign for fantasy if it both increases Terrence West's work, workload and then by proxy boosts the passing game because a, a passing game's best friend is a good ground game. Yeah. What's up with Steve Smith? Yeah. I don't think there's – I was looking for this morning for any updates. Yeah, I don't I nothing official. It could be a high ankle sprain, though, is oh, what they're saying, which, which sucks. But I will say, guys, that debut with – Negative one rushing yards is not going to look good on Kenneth Dixon's Hall of Fame resume. Hall of Fame <laughs> <laughs> It's Thank not looking very good. Much, pal. Uh, um, I tell you, once he starts getting a little healthier, because he was out there with a, I mean, just a bionic knee brace on. Um, I don't know, man. You know, obviously he's not 100% right yet. Yeah. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting to see what happens week 12. Week 13. Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect anything from him. So negative one yards is just kind of a hilarious stat line. It is. <laughs> but I, also, I, I do wonder, though, how much this coaching change impacts how t- how Kenneth Dixon is used. I mean, one of the big things about him was his ability to catch the football. Well, he was special in that regard. If Mark Trussman isn't there lining up to throw it 40 times a game. And not, not to point. say that he can't succeed as a running back, but oh, that's true. when you take away the coach that was going to utilize what was one of his big strengths, right. it is going to change his usage. Yeah. I think you're looking at like, oh man, I hope for I can hope for like four catches a week instead of I can realistically tell myself where this guy gets eight or to nine catches a right. week like Tressman running backs would. But I mean, I think that for the month of October, it'll absolutely be uh, Terrence West's job. 100%. You know, maybe in November, 100%. late November, December, then maybe they mix in Dixon. But that's been my point the whole time. Like, Guys, a, a, I don't care how good you thought he looked in college. He's a GD fourth round pick. Like he's not just gonna walk in and usurp a starting job, you jabronis. However, <laughs> speaking of GD fourth round picks, uh, Devontae Booker getting a little more run in Denver. Oh, can we talk about that? Yeah, I just figured that was a fun segue. So. Yeah, no, you're right. It's uh, a good segue. Uh, Very professional. Booker's getting Booker's getting a lot of work. What did I see? Forty percent of the snaps? snaps. Yeah, it was the most snaps. It was eleven more than his previous high, which was the week before. He played eighteen in week four, twenty nine this week. Granted, I know franchise you noted in your excellent uh, or running back touches breakdown that a lot of his work came in the second half, but. He was still more productive, caught passes out of the backfield, had just three fewer yards, I think, than uh, yeah. C.J. Anderson on four fewer touches. Should yeah. we be in full freakout mode for C.J.A.? Anderson has not been good the last few weeks. Well, I, I mean, we should be in freakout mode, partially because of what we've seen from Devontae Booker. But right. I kind of saw a little bit of this coming when I looked at the schedule going ahead for right. the Broncos. It just was not very favorable. In fact, I went out and I, I traded C.J. Anderson away in a couple of leagues because <gasps> – I know. Look, and I was big on the start of the year. What? I was start. Look, I, things change. You know, situations no, they don't. change. No, Circumstances they don't. change. No. And so I saw that schedule. 
And I said, well, okay, I feel like I've gotten quite a bit of good usage out of C.J. Anderson. Now it's time to make him someone else's problem. So I was able to you know, package him with a couple other guys and turn him around for Tom Brady and Jordan Howard. And now I'm Hello. pretty good about nice. life. Well, you nice bro- you've, you've broken the fantasy football analyst rule number one, which is when you have a take in, in June. You have to die with you, it. You huh? die on that until December. <laughs> so shame on you. But but I think that the – yeah, I mean, his, Booker's snap count has gone up every single week. I, I believe it's been a straight just upward trajectory or at least close to it. There might have been it. one dip, but other than that, it's been it, it, it pretty has much been, a climb. The trend has been going up. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I think that going forward, we can expect him to mix in, especially as a receiver. He caught 80 passes over 13, or 23 games as a college prospect. That's the strength of his game. It's kind of like a C.J. Anderson is just okay doing that. But Marcus is right. They're coming out of probably the hardest point of their run defense schedule. So I could see things getting lighter uh, going forward. But then if Booker's going to be a primary receiving threat, then you're getting into a situation with Anderson where he's like Todd Gurley, which is like, oh, they fall behind, and then you're screwed. Yeah. Uh, what I was concerned about, though, is like I know he's had Anderson's had some tough run, but this was a Falcons defense that was starting A.J. Hawk off the street oh, yeah. at middle linebacker yeah. and, and somebody else, too. Like This should have been a situation. And granted, the Denver, their starting right tackle was out, and uh, Tyler Sambrillo or whatever got worked and then got benched because he actually made Vic Beasley look like a dominant pass rusher. But he's had <laughs> four sacks. Yeah. That was, uh, it that? was extremely concerning to me that uh, he was not able to do more against this kind of beat-up front seven. Yeah, and the offense, I mean, they've been talking about the offensive line quite a bit, and it kind of the wheels kind of fell off there for Denver. But uh, you talk about C.J. Anderson, too. Right now, again, 84 attempts, 293 yards, uh, 3.5 yards per carry average. It, it, it's not great. So, gosh, I, I – I hate to say it, but, yeah, I, I can imagine guys being pretty freaked out about C.J. Anderson right now, so we shall see. Uh, let's go to the wide receiver position. Sammy Coates, I don't want to say he came out of nowhere, but, I, I mean, 140 yards and two touchdowns? Well, I would say he definitely did not come out of nowhere because as soon as he scored a touchdown, I saw my entire timeline start taking victory laps. I'm like, oh, I called Sammy Coates this week. I'm like, listen, fellas and ladies, if everybody is doing it, that means it wasn't that impressive <laughs> because everybody could see it, was, it coming. Yeah, and it that, was a pretty was, straight, like, I think all of us probably right. wrote something about it. It was in the cards. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, you could see it this coming. This victory lap was like the start of a marathon. There were like 3,000 people <laughs> running. Like, <laughs> what are you doing here? This is, this. I keep bumping into people. But I think going forward with Coates, uh, I mean, if I could just interject my thoughts here, no. uh, probably shouldn't. No. I've, I've never talked about receivers before. Sorry, ever. Matt Harmon, who's an idiot. <laughs> You've never talked poorly about Sammy Coates before. so. Well, true. But I think that Sammy Coates is still, you saw like the up the roller coaster ride, the Coates oh coaster oh, yeah. of what it was. Like, I think he had four drops. Yeah, one in the end zone, the, yeah. wide open. <laughs> wide open on a slant route. Unbelievable. I mean, you're going to get that with, with Sammy Coates, but credit to the Steelers that – I know, can't watch him play, man. I And I get it, but it's like the same thing with Kelvin Benjamin, and the Panthers have kind of shown you that you take the good with the bad with that kind of player, especially when he's not like – I mean, for the Panthers, like Kelvin Benjamin is a feature player, but Coates is still an ancillary piece for them. I think going forward you can expect like ups and downs in his fantasy production yeah, too yeah. – you're going to want to play him in home games. 100%. Because that, that we know the Steelers' offense averages over 30 points at home and, and under 23 points on the road. So home games, good you know, matchups, potential shootouts. Then I think he rolls Sammy Coates out there. But other times, be ready to take like a two for 20. Yeah, I think it's a good sign that since the preseason, at least, he's he's improved. He's improving. Yes. Like, he's getting better. This isn't like the ceiling for Sammy Coates. He's going to get better as he develops as, as an NFL player. They're giving him more, too. I, I tweeted out like his next-gen stats were out charts from week two, week four, and then week five. And yeah. you can see like steady 
progression in running shallow routes, different sorts of patterns and everything, not just straight vertical routes. And that deep touchdown on like the third play of the game, Big Ben just dropped it right in the yeah. bucket, hit him in stride, and he burned whoever was covering. I forget who it was, but, man, that was nice. And it's so funny, too. Despite the bad drops, they just keep going to him. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, it's the same thing with, like, Martavis Bryant's a better player. I think he has a higher ceiling. He's more talented as an individual. But it's the same sort of thing. Like, they lived with the ups and downs of Martavis Bryant. They're doing that again with uh, Sammy Coates. T.Y. Hilton, 171 yards and a touchdown. The second 170-yard performance in five weeks for T.Y. Hilton. Uh, what do we make of his performance? Nice. Uh, <laughs> it was good. <laughs> Um, it was good. I, it was good. I I think he's, I think he's doing better than most expected. Yeah, I think he's doing a little bit better than a lot of us expected. But yeah. at yeah. the same time, you look at that Colts offense, and I guess this is how it's going to be. I mean, the way I understand their offense, I'm, now mind you, I, I'm not in the huddle. I'm not in the locker room. I don't know exactly how this works. Okay, You're not. You're but, busy in the Jets locker room. Right. Exactly. I've got backup duties. Um, <laughs> but I feel like the way <laughs> things are planned out is that okay, guys. Uh, with our terrible offensive line and our yep. trash defense, okay. <laughs> we're going to fall behind, and then we're going to let Andrew Luck throw it like a madman the I rest like of it. the game. Yeah. Like and it. a lot of those throws are going to go to T.Y. Hilton. I like it. I well, feel like that's their game plan week Mon- in and week Moncrief out. going out could was the best thing that happened to Hilton's value. He has more double-digit target games this year than he did all of 2015. Well, he's had wow. double-digit targets in every, every single game, game yeah. this and year. He and he only did it four times last year. And, you know, I think that, yeah, Moncrief being out is, is the big deal. Nobody else has stepped up. I mean, no. the, the tight ends are splitting time. That's a ghost. Dorsett has seen his targets actually go down from <laughs> six to five to four to three to How, three. Sway? Someone wow. named Chester How? Rogers is getting catches at the goal line. Like, I don't know that But is. he's not getting in the end zone. He's just catching them at the goal line. <laughs> right. <He's literally laughs> at the goal line. Meanwhile, Frank, Frank Gore is Arthur memeing on the sideline. Like, mm, just give me the ball. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a rough show in the Colts offense. But good for T.Y., especially home games. He's another one that has pretty drastic home road splits. It's so funny, too. They just keep force-feeding that ball to Dwayne Allen. They don't care. Just go, give him that ball. Give him the ball. Uh, Amari Cooper finally got in the damn end zone. Yes, he did. 138, a touchdown, a two-point conversion. He didn't score in 11 of his 12 previous games. All right, going to the quarterback position. Big Ben, 384 touchdowns. Yeah, buddy. Uh, At home, he is unstoppable. On the road, he's questionable. Tom Brady, 406 and three touchdowns. Uh, Dude, (laughs) bro, I mean, I get that it was a soft landing spot against Cleveland. Yeah. But come on, man. You can't be doing off the street, 406 and 3. Come on, man. Uh, Tom Brady's pretty good. <laughs> uh, Phillip Rivers, 359 passing yards, four touchdowns. <laughs> yep. Hey, can I, can I say, if you're Cleveland, do you at least give San Diego a call? What? <laughs> for, for what? Rivers? For Rivers? No. Why? No? What? Why would the Chargers do that? And that doesn't make any sense for the Browns. Like, why would they hemorrhage draft capital for a Not to mention Because they have a million draft picks. That they're using to restock the cupboards of their barren roster. Philip Rivers. <laughs> trade those for a 36-year-old quarterback. Philip Rivers doesn't want to move to Los Angeles. And I was no going to say. No offense to point. Cleveland, but, I mean, he doesn't want to move to L.A., He's not really going to want to move to Cleveland. Yeah, I don't think – I mean, there's been a lot of talk about how oh, the Chargers should just trade Rivers. I don't want – one, I don't think the Chargers believe themselves to be that far off. And, like, they really shouldn't be 1-4. They're, like, the best damn 1-4 team <laughs> I've ever seen. And Rivers still has it. They, yeah, still, they probably don't. still think they're in that window. And you're right. Marcus, doesn't, I mean, he doesn't even want to leave San Diego to, to go a few hours north. Like, what, what team would – Trade for him. There's not even a team that's like, man. I'm just saying. Just Cle- uh, oh, I mean, I think Cleveland. there should would be teams, but would definitely be. I mean, the Jets. 
I think they yeah, would kill yeah, to have the him right now. I think there's plenty of teams that would – Houston, I mean, even though they can't because they made a mistake. That's what uh, I'm saying. Like, they might want to, <laughs> but they can't, so they're but, stuck. Yeah. Delaney Walker, uh, four catches, 66 yards, and a touchdown. Good nice. for him. He's the best, uh, he's the best so. wide receiver in, uh, in Tennessee. Yeah. Tight ends was a little – not great. This Hunter week. Henry, though. Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry. Yeah, what played thirteen points. Even with Gates out there. Yeah, yeah. He was thirteen. The, he points. was hell. He Gates, was Gates had a, a, a good game too. It was crazy. He did. He did. Did he? he had like I mean, two he catches got a touchdown. For, he had a touchdown. Oh, of course, that's he's going to do that. I, I didn't. Mean, I didn't. That's what tight ends do. Well, but, that's what Antonio Gates does. With that, right. that is all. But 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 Hunter Henry was far and away the leader in the snap count uh, of these guys. Yeah. He played. I believe he played eighty-two uh, percent of like the eighty some odd percent. Yeah. Gates played thirty-six. Wow. So I mean, it's a, it's interesting. I wonder going forward. I mean, I think Henry offers them more right now than Gates does. I don't know if that's a yeah. hot take or whatever, but yeah. No, he certainly does. Yeah, he I, does. I mean, my my question going forward. Though, they should play as, them both. As Gates gets healthier, how much are they going to try to you know, shoehorn him into this offense when right. they have a younger, That's a good question, yeah, yeah. currently better player than Antonio Gates? Which is yeah. why I think they should roll them both out there. I mean, they 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 have a, a I serious think they would li- of pass catchers. I mean, having both of them out there would be. I think they would like to. I mean, I think we saw that a little bit when they still had Ladarius Green, and not that Green had big production, but there were a lot of times they were on the field together. And even now this year, there have been plenty of times when the Chargers have rolled two tight ends. So it's certainly very possible. They can move Henry around too. Yes. Sunday disappointments. Lamar Miller. This makes guys sad. Uh, I, I asked this in I asked this twenty in yards Slack today. Rushing twenty yards. I asked this in Slack today. Is Lamar Miller bad? No. I think he's very no. average. Yeah, I think I think that's probably close. I don't close think he's bad. I don't think, I just he's, think bad. he's average. I mean, um, he's got a three point seven yard per carry average on there. He's got zero scores. The Houston offense is. Uh, I was going to say the, ne- the their offense next, in general is bad. their next rushing touchdown will be their first. This this also was against the best defense in the league. Right. Well, it's the same. I, we talk, again. We already had this conversation. Yeah. In Slack, like it's the same thing I talked about last week with like John Brown and and this idea of like counting it twice. Like you knew this game was probably coming for Lamar Miller and yep. all these guys. So yep. however you viewed them going to Week Five, you should view them going forward. I just think it's a question worth asking because everybody kind of like, oh, the dumb Dolphins never gave him enough carries. Like That's now he's going to get pummeled with carries. That's in, what I'm saying. And he has Houston. gotten a crazy right. amount of carries. He hasn't done a lot with it. It's been very ineffective. Um, and, and I think it says a lot, too, the fact that they've gotten Will Fuller involved. They have new Hopkins. You can't load up the box. They're giving him tons of opportunities to do something. Charles Sims has faced more eight-plus men box than Lamar Miller. And Lamar Miller has not produced. So... It's- I mean, I don't know, man. Even, I mean, going back to his Miami, I just I thought Lamar Miller was fine. I, I didn't think he was special. He was I just he underused. Was okay. He was underused. When he was used enough, he 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 flashed some greatness for a streak of like five games last last year. I, I mean, when he exploded. I've always believed, and it's true even for Lamar Miller to an extent. Touchdowns are a fickle beast. Yeah, so yeah. you know the the zero in some ways it's it's a little fluky, but in some ways it is a little bit of an indication of how inefficient the Texans' offense has been. And you know, while some of it, you know, there are a lot of I think there's a lot of blame to go around. At some point, everybody's going to start looking at the dude who's making a whole lot of money under center who yep. isn't. Oh yeah, who's not moving the offense on a consistent basis. Brock is bad, dude. He's bad. That was a, that's I what mean, that's what I tweeted yesterday. I said, look, I know the Vikings defense is good, but can we say out loud that that Brock Osweiler maybe just isn't good? That is one of those moves that like everybody but the team was like, that's not going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd they do that? The other thing is that it's all these all these new guys, Osweiler, Lamar Miller, Will Fuller, they're all playing together for the first time this first month or so 
everyone just kind of expected, oh, there's a bunch of speed here. There's Tyler Irvin. They got Will Fuller on the outside and all this stuff. And they're just they're just not meshing. Yeah, yet. I think there's something to that. I, but, yeah. but at the end of the day, I mean, watch a Texans game. It's gross. I want to yeah, add good. in, because uh, I was just pulling up. I had done, crunched some numbers for Miller when he signed there. Last year, uh, their motley crew of running backs that the Texans trotted out only averaged 3.89 yards per carry. Yeah. What does Miller have right now? 3.7 or something mm-hmm. like that? Right. Miller, for his career before he got there, was averaging 4.6. 4. Yeah. 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 So, like, I think the problem is more so in this offense right now than just purely Lamar Miller. Yeah. But it's, we're and also their, not, their line is not good, yeah. too. It's been banged up. They lost I mean, their center. Brown that hadn't been in for a while. They lost, yeah, center. Good so, I, I think, uh, to, to be honest with you, I actually think, like, even though I raised the question, is he bad? I don't, don't, you know, it doesn't really matter whether he's good or he's bad. He's still going to get a ton of touches. Right. Uh, and I would actually, like, I think the correct answer is to go out and make offers for Miller because yeah. the schedule gets lighter. Eventually, yeah. he's going to score a touchdown. I, so, like, I think his owner will, will probably be at this point their most frustrated and, and most aggravated. I think this is the perfect time to go out and make offers. I put him in my trade four column last week. They got Interesting. Indianapolis, Detroit, Jacksonville, Oakland, and San Diego in five of their next six games. Oh, good yep. God. That's yep. going to help. And it's the same. Th- like I said, if that was how you felt going into this week yeah. against Minnesota, right. in now, Minnesota, you should feel the exact same way. And now you can really buy low after his rock bottom game yep. against Minnesota. Ooh, I might try to go do that. Yep, I like I, yeah. I'll, be, I'll be doing that. <clears throat> Alshon Jeffrey, 77 yards. It's okay. It's not great. Uh, but here's the thing. He's actually he's ninth not, in the NFL in receiving yards. He's not getting a lot of, of targets. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm scared, y'all. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I'm scared. I, I put him on the disappointments because, again, 77 yards, you're like, eh, okay, that's not terrible. But the way he's being utilized in this offense, there I mean, are red flags all over this, the place. This seemed like the week for an Alshon Jeffrey explosion. Kevin White goes on injured reserve. Eddie Royal doesn't practice all week long. You know, we're not completely sure what his status is going to be heading into Sunday. Right. Everything seemed set up for against a, a Colts defense that was shaky at best. It seems set up for Alshon Jeffrey to go off. Cameron Meredith gets twelve targets. <laughs> twelve, t- 12 <laughs> targets. Uh, yeah. Which Daps to Gellar, by the way, of all the like bold, you know, that was you. Yeah. Throw this guy. Like, <laughs> hold on, I just have to though. <laughs> Because I picked him up in a PPR league and left him in like his twenty. No, you didn't. Uh, <laughs> on I mean, my that's, bench, that's, bro. But that, uh, oh. that hurts, dude. That's super. But yeah. Alshon Jeffries never had more than seven targets in a game this season. Um, and I think which, by the way, that's not terrible. It, but he's only terrible. He's only led the team once. That's right. what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And and you, it was either James you or or Harmon. One of you like tweeted about how Alshon is running around open with his with yeah. his hands in the air. And Brian Hoyer's not looking in his direction this at all. week. This week it was most noticeable. I mean, yeah. like it's like just several times they'd cut to Alshon, like, and especially the fourth down to end the game. Then they followed him to the sideline. He's just sitting on the bench, like, kind of perplexed. Like, <laughs> I don't even think he knows what the hell's going on. Like, whether he's hurt or not, it is officially, like, I mean, it's it's been weird for a while. Now I think it's just like, what's gonna change? Like they've had they had a guy go on IR like that was at least you could throw the conspiracy theory around like we right. had before. Like they want Kevin White to be the guy. Kevin White was gone, so then they they toss it to Cameron Meredith. Like you don't target a guy six times in a against the Colts defense if you right. view him as a core player. You, you just don't do that. Yeah. I don't get it. It's um, weird. And and again I, I just pose the question, is he being freezed out? We mentioned that fourth down play. I watched that fourth down play a hundred times over. Uh, he's wide open in the back of the end zone. Wide open. single Pre-snap single coverage. Cam Meredith 
was on the opposite side. He's being triple teamed because the defense knows that Brian Hoyer's going there. Brian Hoyer throws a terrible ball to a triple covered Cameron Meredith with Alshon Jeffrey pre-snap read single coverage wide open in the end zone so, you know, the, the, for the game. The craziest part about Stop it, it is that last year Brian Hoyer basically had tunnel vision for DeAndre Hopkins and just pummeled him with targets. And I think we yeah. all believe that, hey, that's he's coming to Chicago and he's going to be Alshon. Nope. And that's the that's the part that makes it the most confusing and <laughs> why I keep defaulting to like all these conspiracy theories about whatever they're doing with Alshon. And people say keep telling me like, oh, well, they're just doing this to depress his value so they can re-sign him. BS, dude. Like if that's if Alshon, it would just he's just gonna leave. He's just gonna, I'm not coming back here. Yeah. Somebody else will give him money. That's not, if that's their strategy. They're dumber than even they might appear. But that's not gonna work for one. Uh, and you're right. Like he locks in on his first read, and Alshon's never that first read. That's what makes it so confusing to yeah, me. Yeah. I don't get it. Uh, I'm it. Uh, yeah. No, I don't. I don't understand. AJ Green, 50 yards. Julio Jones, 29 yards. Uh, do we not t- do we need to talk about Julio Jones? By the way, can we talk about it? Yeah, Harmon's got it because poor Harmon came <laughs> with this very intelligent research take. Got schooled when Julio went off for 300, but now it comes back and it looks right. like he swung to his, to his yeah, well, realization that, again. Yeah, I mean, just I want to talk about this in the lessons learned thing that we're gonna do later. But yeah. like, just this was it was hilarious because I, like Gelhar said, I thought I really had a smart, reasonable point about why he might not be a top five receiver. We can't be concerned about, or we should be concerned about his usage. Then he drops three hundo on the Panthers, and I look, <laughs> I look like an idiot. People tweet at me, deservedly so. I'm not yeah. mad at you for doing that, but like. I think this was exactly what I'm talking about uh, in this game. So far, Julio Jones's target totals this year are are uh, I just lost my train of thought. But anyways, they're they're five, eight, fifteen, and then you saw six wow. in this game. Yeah, I mean, crazy. Like last year, Julio Jones had a 32.9% share of the team targets. He averaged 12.7 targets per game. Through five weeks, he's seen 24.5% of the team targets and 8.2 targets per game. I mean, that is a, a, just a massive, massive Almost massive like cut in half. Well, right. And, not and that I, much, but. But it is it is very, huge. very drastic. You yeah. lose at least a quarter of your volume yeah. in, in the situation that we're seeing right now. And I think it is not because of anything that is Julio Jones, but the team is better because they're spreading the ball out. They're using Tevin Coleman in these creative ways. They're oh, still yeah. throwing to Devonta Freeman. They have Muhammad Sanu taking six targets a game around that level. So, I mean, I just I think that there are going to be floor games like this. I mean, you already saw it. You already saw it yeah. this week. And against the Saints, again, like target totals, yeah. 8, 5, 7, 15, and 6 through the first five weeks. That There's one outlier there, and it's that big 300-yard game. Um, yeah. Can I also say this? They're winning ball games, and they're scoring points. Yes. Yeah. There's no impetus at all for that to change, right, what you're talking about in terms of the target share. Yeah. If they were bad. This would be a huge problem. People would be constantly like, why aren't you throwing the ball to Julio Jones? Exactly. The only people that are saying, why aren't you throwing the ball to Julio Jones are Julio Jones' fantasy Fantasy owners. And to to quote my friend Marcus Grant, sorry about your luck. Like, nobody cares about your fantasy team. (laughs) Right. The Falcons don't care. They're They're winning winning games. games. And they're scoring points. And I think that there's a a reason for that. I think that if you – I'm going to eventually, like, go back and actually put some real research and study and thought into this. But just off the top of my head, it does seem like last year – they forced fed Julio Jones, and like that's never a problem. It's he's your good player, but the offense was bad this year. They spread things out. They can attack defenses in more ways. Right, offense is good. Yep. So you see the same thing with Andy Dalton too. Like the years where they have to force feed AJ Green because they don't have anyone else. Like right. this year, those are tend to be Dalton's down years. Last year. 
Green was like a 130 target player and the offense was very good. I think that there's teams don't want to just jam targets down players' throats as much as we want them to do that as fantasy well, players. That makes them a lot easier to defend when they Yes. Play. It makes them <laughs> bad. I mean, it makes them bad. Jarvis Landry, 28 receiving yards. I want no piece of Landry moving forward. Speaking of guys that you know teams try to force feed targets to, and I like Jarvis Landry a lot, but I want no piece this, of him. This broke a sure. massive streak of him seeing double-digit targets, though, and a lot of it had to do with just the game flow. This is a weird one. Like, the Dolphins got their score on a your boy Jakeem Grant punt return touchdown and stuff. Yeah. The Dolphins oh, ran, the undrafted drafted player? The undrafted drafted player. The Dolphins <laughs> ran, like, no plays in this game. Like, honestly, I think they only had, like, 40 offensive plays in this they game. They threw 18 passes. They threw 18 passes. So, of course, the volume's not going to be there. This is just a strange outlier game. But it does speak to Landry's frightening floor if you're not in PPR and he doesn't see 15 targets. I am wanting less and less to do with the Dolphins offense in general. That's what I'm saying. Go by. No, oh. that's what I'm saying. I want no pieces. Yeah. As the yeah. weeks go by, I want less 40, and less. 41 plays is all they ran on offense in this entire game. That's gross. I mean, this offense isn't good, though. No, like, it's not. Like, they, they need and, – and Landry's type of player needs a good environment to grow. He's like a plant. He needs, you know, good soil. Uh, the the quarterback is like the guy that needs to water it. You know they need that type of situation for a slot receiver to grow. I mean, look at Randall Cobb had he he fell apart when the offense fell apart. The, you know it's a slot receiver. It tends to be the way that it goes. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm just glad a, I got a planting analogy. What an analogy that was. And see, I loved Harmon's little proud smile the whole time. He's like, guys, <laughs> plant plant Twitter uh, got plant Twitter's all excited. That's for right you, now. plant Twitter, mm-hmm. my people. All right, Zach Ertz, three catches, 37 yards. He was supposed to be in a tremendous, uh, tremendous matchup. Welp. Uh, and and here's the thing, and I wrote this in the rundown too, but I I find it interesting that we push bad players in good matchups sometimes. Zach Ertz is fine. Uh, in real life terms, he's fine. Yeah. But for fantasy purposes, he's bad. He's like never- you're the chancellor of Danger Zone University. What are you talking about? Well, when I <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> when I start talking about when I talk about Danger Zone players, we're talking about guys that are in desperation play. I'm not saying play. When I say play Marquise Goodwin, I'm not saying hey play replace one of your good players with Marquise Goodwin. <laughs> Zach it, Zach Ertz is playing a position where there you only need one guy. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's not like, hey, should I play Zach Ertz instead of Cameron Bright? No. I don't think you should go do that. Man, that that seems like a devil's bargain. Mm. If you told me in August, like, hey, you might be looking at the you know, option of Cameron Bright. Stop hating on Cameron Bright. I mean, it's like, here's a Cameron Bright's <laughs> playing well. But I'm saying if back in August you were looking at that as your choice, you'd be like, well, I'm just going to punt yeah, this quit, week and try again next week. <laughs> Cameron, Cameron Bright's a real thing. we got to respect him. <laughs> All right, let's talk about top waiver wire ads. We turn the floor over to the king of the waiver wire. Oh, geez, I don't know about that. Uh, the waiver wizard. Well, I think, we, wizard. I think oh, we, I like we've, we've kind of already reached this sad point in the season where we need to now try and figure out committee backfields and when the right matchups are to play certain guys because there's just been so much running back death. So that makes guys like uh, Quiz is now going to be interesting. Sure. Fozzie Whitaker, as long as Jay Stu's out, like this coming game, if Jay Stu's still out against the Saints, could be a good one to start Fozzie. They kind of bleed uh, receiving yards to backs. James White. Saw him. He outsnapped LeGarrette Blunt. now that Tom Brady's back. Had a decent game. Bilal yep, yep. Powell has outscored Matt Forte in PPR for three straight weeks. Okay. Wide receiver-wise, we talked about Sammy Sammy Coates. He's a good add. Tyrell Williams still getting things done in San Diego. And they uh, they have the, uh, the Broncos this weekend, but they've still got a lot of other good games against passing defenses. Jeremy Curley owns 30% of the wide receiver targets go get in San Francisco. Wow. Go get him, seriously. He's had an 80-plus and a touch in his last two weeks. I, I like to call him Jeremy should be Bruce Ellington Curley. 
<laughs> and then, you know, like Terrence Williams will be fine as long as Des Bryant's out. It's not a fun play. I don't still don't like playing him, but hey, he's he's doing stuff out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then you can read all these at NFL.com slash waivers, NFL.com slash deep dive. Other guys like, you know, Kenny Britt still doing stuff. He had another game with four catches and over like 70 yards. He's so we four were, or five weeks. I was pummeling uh, uh, Randall Cobb last uh, Sunday because I said Randall Cobb has less fantasy points than Adam Thielen going into Sunday. He still has less points than Adam Thielen, but it's because Adam Thielen had a really good game. 127 yards receiving and a touchdown. Is he worth a look? I put Well, he's going into his bye this week, so there's no reason to prioritize him. And once Stephon Diggs comes back, he's going to lead that passing attack as he has so far. But in deeper leagues, Thielen and Cordero Patterson could be worth a Dude, look. Can we just take CP. a moment to acknowledge Cordero Patterson has caught a touchdown pass this week? Coming back. Please. This is, this can we is, please acknowledge this? Am I listening to this? This is happening. No, I mean, this like, happening. hey, hey. In deeper leagues, he's they're still using him as more of like an offensive weapon than a true oh, yeah. receiver, but yeah. like they're trying to find ways to put the ball in his hands. Charles Johnson is no longer a thing. No. Stephon Diggs was out, and he played like 12 snaps. 12 snaps. Yeah. 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 So those are guys to think of. And a sneaky one, Ladarius Green. Probably okay. Com- probably coming that's back. That's a good point. Probably coming back. Uh, yeah, that's good. Two, that's two weeks or so about. is when they're trying to, he's trying to come back. So if you have the bench space, that's stash him right now because, you know, next week when they're like, oh, Laddie Green's coming back, everybody's going to be pounding that waiver wire trying to find him. And Ooh, staying ahead you of got the curve. Something I noticed I rewatching that. the home Steelers games, yes. when Jesse James catches a pass, the home crowd still chants Heath. Heath. <laughs> like for Heath Miller, it's so funny. That is that is hilarious. <laughs> I wonder how many of them. That's really good. Like no, actually know that he retired. They actually know it's not Heath. <laughs> are they being are they being ironic? Are they being funny? Or are they I, just like? And I that just kind of goes to show you, like, God, we take football like so s- stupid, like seriously. We follow every little nook and cranny. There are hundreds of thousands of people probably in that stadium that are like, I have no idea who the starting. Yeah, is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I root for the team. It's a big, tall, white guy. That's yeah. probably the same dude. Uh, <laughs> I honestly, I had that revelation yeah. oh, this Sunday when I thought about that. I'm like, oh my god, what am I doing? Uh, <laughs> I will say too, quick, if for uh, streaming quarterbacks, if there are those of you that employ that strategy. Mariota has a great matchup this week, and Alex Smith uh, going against the Raiders. Uh, league worst, 330.6 passing yards per game they're currently allowing. And if that turns into somewhat of a shootout with how good the Raiders' offense is, Alex okay. Smith can climb back into relevancy. If you and our friends, uh, Denny Carter and JJ Zacharyson and Living the Stream, talked about this because they touted Alex Smith two weeks ago before his bye. Yeah. You remember that primetime game and what a disaster it was for yeah. the Chiefs. What you do not remember is Alex Smith was actually the QB 11 that week because wow. of garbage time points. Booyah. So there you go. Alex Smith, same thing, playing the Steelers too. Uh, was I believe he was a quarterback. Like He was a top 12 or right, Wait, Fitzpatrick this week you mean? Or? Who am I talking about? I said Smith from two weeks ago. That's what he's talking about. Yeah, and I'm saying like just that just goes to show you like it doesn't really matter. Yeah, uh, Blaine Gabbert this week, like you said. What did he? Blaine Gabbert had 19 fantasy points this week. <laughs> Dude, oh, yeah, because yeah, of his rush. Garbage, garbage points still count. Fantasy. Yeah. I love it. Fantasy is so right, stupid. Let's talk about these. Uh, uh, week 5 lessons learned very quickly. Uh, Alex Gellhar, we'll start with you. Uh, what lesson did you learn? Listen to friend? yourself. If you talk about starting Cameron Meredith. Start Cameron up, Meredith. Just start Cameron <laughs> Meredith. Don't don't try yeah, and read buddy. the matchups. And I just looked back. I played Victor Cruz instead of him, thinking Yikes. that, that Packers-Giants game was going to have all the points. It did not. And now my fantasy bench has all the points. Oh, Matt Harmon. I think I learned two lessons. Yes. One being it's something I've always like I'm I'm continuing to learn this year and I wish I had hammered it more in the offseason. Players are not robots. Like you cannot just go this player did this in this scheme, therefore you will take what he did in this team and you will double it by this many carries that he's going to get 
and I think Lamar Miller is the guy that was made me think of this, was, look, everybody's like, Bill O'Brien, teams love to run the ball. Lamar Miller just needs more carries. But, you know, maybe there's a reason that he didn't get all those carries. And I think just we talked about Kobe Fleener being that guy, Saints right. tight ends. You yep. know, players are not robots. They show us who they are, and, you know, you can't just – Give them all the production of the past players. It doesn't always work that way. And the second lesson being, and we talked about this with AJ Green and Julio Jones, like I know that you know it's our job to talk about fantasy every week and analyze every little nook and cranny of it. And people love to just freak out about fantasy. And I get it. I, it's probably part of the fun for you people for whatever reason. Um, but like <laughs> for, whatever. for whatever reason, it's part of the fun for you to freak out about every little week. But like. There are peaks and valleys in almost everybody's production. Right. Uh, I posted the graph of uh, David uh, David Johnson, Todd Gurley, and Ezekiel Elliott's productions. Uh, over, and even even David Johnson means higher than Todd Gurley, but there are peaks and there are valleys. They're pretty consistent. Todd Gurley, peaks and valleys, major peaks and valleys. Ezekiel Elliott had down, and then he's starting to come up again. Like, yep. That is the way it goes in fantasy. So try not to like wait every week so much because – you know, I, I mean, stuff happens, to be quite honest. There you go. MG, my guy, Marcus Grant. Uh, the thing I learned is it's okay to believe in the Falcons' offense now. Yeah, I think I think this was a wait-and-see week for a lot of people because everybody looked at their previous matchups and then yep. saw the Broncos and said, okay, this is going to be the first real test. And, yes, Matt Ryan did not have a bonkers game. He had about 15 fantasy points, uh, but... One, he put together a really quality game. If you yeah, watch what he did. did, he looked really solid. No turnovers. No turnovers. And, uh, you know, I, I, it does go along with what Harmon said earlier about you know Julio Jones and his floor and the ball distribution and that sort of thing. But on the whole, the Falcons have shown they can be productive, whether it's running the football with Devontae Freeman, throwing it to Julio Jones or Tevin Coleman or, you know, Mohamed Sanu or anybody else. Um, this is a good offense, and it starts you know, with their offensive line, who's been very good this year. So I think going forward, you can feel a little more confident about playing some of those guys regardless of the matchups. They go on the road to Seattle next week, and again, not a great matchup on paper, but I think what we've seen of them in the first five weeks suggests that what they did the first three or four weeks was not a fluke, and this offense is going to be productive all year. Franchise, lesson learned. My lesson learned is that we – overestimate bad matchups sometimes. I benched DeAndre Hopkins this week against the Vikings. He'd had two really bad games, burned me. Yeah. I bench him for Isaiah Crowell in my league of record. No. Crowell gets like four or five points against the um, Patriots. Yep. And DeAndre Hopkins gets a garbage time touchdown. I wanted to punch the TV, <laughs> but I saw him in the end zone with the ball in his hands. He yeah. couldn't do anything the entire game. He gets a garbage time touchdown. He did just, nothing. Just leave your, your star stud first, second round picks in your lineup. Don't overestimate the bad matchups because right. you're just going to kick yourself I like, like I am right now. <laughs> I want to punch my own face. Please Franchise is fired up. <laughs> I got to save the fire for Friday. I do. True. Like it. Oh. All right, there you go. Daily Daps, get out. Daily Dap time. We shall start with the Whiz Kid from Wisconsin. The Waiver Wizard. I like that. That's interesting. Uh, getting too many nicknames over here. I'm going to dap. Marcus Grant tossed me a stack of uh, comics that I had been neglecting because life was a little hectic. But with things quieting down a sec during the season, I was able to read Deadly Class number one this weekend and really, really and? enjoyed it. Yeah. Very good. So go. the, this coming week, I will be diving into the rest of the stack. Marcus gave me four trades. I read them. It's from Rick uh, Remender, who's done a lot of good stuff that Marcus and I have both read. 
Uh, and it's cool. It's about a high school for assassins, and there's a lot of intrigue and a lot of, a lot of stuff going on right now. So uh, it's a fun read so far if you're looking for a comic to pick up this fall. MG, my guy, Marcus Grant. Uh, I am going – this thing I saw on a website called thinkgeek.com. Oh, wait. Here, quick. While you pull it back up. Also, I have one more thing I forgot. Yeah, go for it. Oh, yeah. It was a vine from Frankie Lagana that Patrick Claybon found late last night and tweeted of some oh kids God. in a high school gym okay. that like rigged their friend up to some sort of pulley system huh? and then to make him like swing as if it was like a stage rigging and he swings right into the ceiling. It's like a drop ceiling and it's out one of the big tiles. The kid's fine and stuff. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my gosh. Is it one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life? I, I watched it, honestly, like 15 times last night. And even as I was pulling it up right now to find the right person to uh, – I've tweeted it. Claybon's tweeted it. Uh, so you can find it there. But, like, as I was trying to find the right name to cite it, I was just – I was laughing over here. I had to mute my mic for a second because it's just so funny. Tremendous. So, yeah, there's that. All right, Mark. There you go. Uh, yeah, no problem. Um, I wanted a, a website that was brought to my attention called yes. thinkgeek.com, which Thank has all sorts of cool geek stuff. The, it was originally brought to my attention because somebody uh, sent me a, a – and Gelhar, you may want to pay attention to this as well yep. – uh, an R2-D2 coffee press, like a Ooh. French press that is shaped like R2-D2. Sick. Yeah. That makes sense. I like it. Right. So if you love Star Wars and you love coffee, this is for you. But in general, the, the website's really cool. they got a bunch of, you know. You mean if you're a human? Because humans like Star Wars and humans like coffee. Correct. Yes. Correct. I even like both those things, and I hate everything. (laughs) (laughs) Right? That says a lot. But whatever your geek persuasion is, whether it's comic books, Star Wars, Star Trek, I see Doctor Who stuff, Game of Thrones stuff. Okay. uh, All kind of stuff here, man. So go check it out and, you know, get your geek on. Thinkgeek.com. Matt Harmon. Uh, yeah, my daily dap is going to be to uh, a band called Jamestown Revival. Okay. Uh, they, they put out a new album on Friday. It's it's really good, like, kind of, I don't know if I'd say alt-country, uh, probably not, but, like, folksy, kind of bluegrassy sort of music that I'm really into. Uh, it's good good foot-stomping music, James. Foot-stomping music, man. But anyways, it's really good. Uh, they, Get that banjo going, man. Oh, you know there's banjo in there. Oh, of course. But it, it's it's great. It's good stuff. It's good, like, kind of upbeat uh, music that's, you know, a little off my normal depressing track. <laughs> Why are you so depressed sad. all the time? Like, You're I'm sad. Just, I'm, just sad. I'm just kidding. Part of it is just a stick. Is this is this because you're not having beer? Well, I I am no, not having was, beer. He was sad before the no beer. Yeah, the, I mean it's I, listen the the no beer thing is yeah. is going is okay. going well. It's going okay. okay. <laughs> I have to say, like we we had mimosas on on Sunday at brunch. Yeah, uh, do not at me. It was great. It was a good time. What's wrong with uh, mimosas at brunch, bro? Nothing. Some people in this in this in this podcast studio took a uh, took the time to make fun of us for it, and make wow. some jokes. Mimosas? Not going to be named any names. I wasn't making fun of mimosas. I said mimosas are great. I actually... Anyways. I preach the gospel of the hibiscus, which is completely underrated, which is champagne and cranberry juice. Mm. That's true. This is true. But at the end of it, and then so it had some more like kind of mixed drinks after that at night, and like I was just like, oh, this is gross. I'm just like, drink straight whiskey, bro. I, I know. Uh, I know. We tried to... I tried, I your problem. The, I tried to do the mixture <laughs> thing, and I'm like, what am I, like a, like a college student again? I feel yeah. disgusting and bloated and terrible. Uh, so sticking with straight booze. Some, uh, some like the you know, mimosas sort of stuff. That's okay. fine, but yeah, no more of this mixture. You're about a third no? of the way through the month. I feel as if we're doing it, guys. We are doing it. I mean, you give, guys have gone this far. Hey, give Keep greyhounds a chance. Give greyhounds. Greyhounds are great. What are greyhounds? It's a uh, vodka and grapefruit juice. That's what it is. Uh, not as no, sweet. No, it's it's light. It's not as sweet. It's, it's not, not as like sweet. Yeah. you don't get the sugar and carbonation. Yep. And yeah, stuff. I'm just saying, no more sugar stuff. Plus. It's got vitamin C, bro. <laughs> it's healthy for you. Stop that scurvy. 
You know what I mean? Oh, man. You need that. Yeah, avoid it scurvy. It is healthy. That's a good point, James. Uh, <laughs> my daily dap is going to go to uh, those athletes who have tweeted uh, after the uh, presidential debate talking about, mm. dude, what kind of locker room was Donald Trump in? Um, but, uh, but especially Jacob Tammy, who basically says, hey, man, uh, it's not okay to normalize that kind of talk and that he went out of his way on Twitter uh, to talk about how he does not want to raise his son that way. And so I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, sets a good example. Uh, and, you know, being a professional athlete that he is, he didn't have to do that, uh, but, uh, but did go out of his way to kind of say, hey, I'd like to raise my kid right, and I don't think we should normalize that kind of talk uh, that we heard from Donald Trump. Our, our own Akbar even said that. He said uh, to the same sort of thing. He said, I agree, I've been in locker rooms half my life, and I can tell you there are far more productive locker room conversations. Hashtag no excuses. I said today, we need to we need to start like a tracker of NFL players doing good things yeah, man. for society since we hear all the negative things. Right. But yeah, so same. Daps to Akbar as well for, for saying that too. Akbar's a legit hero though. As yeah, Mark, he is. He's a Akbar has, has chased down right uh, wrongdoers, wrongdoers, and, and brought them to justice. He's a <laughs> legit hero. That's what's so awesome about mm. that franchise. Give me a daily dap. Yeah, my daily dap is going to go to Alec Baldwin for doing amazing impressions of Donald Trump on <laughs> SNL the last Very few weeks. Good. Those we, aren't bad. They are not. They are more than not bad. They're, <laughs> they're, they're amazing. <laughs> they're good. Yeah. We've been quoting him wrong for the last. <laughs> The last 10 days, we've been quoting Alec Baldwin doing Trump around the office, and it's great. If you haven't seen those, just Google him. You'll, you'll yeah, have a few laughs. His, his face, his, his diction He's and everything. so it's perfect. Just, it's, on. it's a really good impersonation. Perfect. Spot is, on. Alec Baldwin is very talented. Which, yeah. uh, by the way, like impersonation is kind of like a, an underrated art sometimes, I think, for actors that can really do it well. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Kevin Spacey Inside the Actors Studio video. But it's with like Leonard Malkin or whatever, where he just sits down with one guy on the stage and yeah, they yeah. talk. And it's—I think it's at the end of their interview. But he's like, "So, Mr. Spacey, I hear you're good at impersonations. I'm just going to interview you, and I'm going to throw you names, and you do these people." So then they go through the interview, and he's like, "You know, ah, Mr. Pacino, it's good to see you here. Like, ah, Miss Hepburn, like glad you." Miss Hepburn. <laughs> yeah, he does like he does like eight or nine, and they are incredible. Like, if you were to actually close your eyes, you'd be like, "That's not Kevin Spacey." Yeah. Wow. So he is like, and you never see yeah, Kevin Spacey do good. that a lot, but oh my God, is he good? Space is talented. I like he, it. He might be good at that whole acting thing. Yeah, I think it's going to work out for him. <laughs> All right, there you go. That's our show for today. We appreciate you following along for the franchise, for the Whiz Kid, for MG My Guy, and for Matt Harmon. I'm James Coe. We'll see you. See you later. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota. Let's go places. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... 
Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.